0: Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiots. Such a matcha thong wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. It's A Monday Night Raw! This is my It's WrestleRant Radio. And we're back, folks, right here in WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 28th, 2019. I am Graham G. S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Last week I brought you a bit of an abridged version of the show just because I was sick and it's very rare that I miss a week of WrestleRant Radio. To my knowledge, we actually have not missed a week of WrestleRant Radio in over five years. And I was not going to start last week, so. The show ran about 37, 38 minutes, given all my thoughts in the week of WWE, including the Elimination Chamber. So in case you missed it, Go back and check it out. Bear through the near half-hour episode of the show with my voice going in and out. Thankfully, my sickness is largely gone. My voice has been mostly restored. The only issue I'm dealing with now is the after effects, the aftermath of the cough that I got last week. So I've been coughing my brains out over the last number of days. Some nights I've slept, other nights, other nights I have not. So thankfully, I'm on the road to recovery. My cough should be gone within the next week or two, so... Bit of a heads up, if I do have to stop a few times over the course of this episode to cough, bear with me, I apologize in advance. But that's not going to stop me from talking about all the latest happenings between Raw, SmackDown, and everything else going on in the world of WWE and beyond as we quickly approach WrestleMania 35. And as has always been the case in recent years with WrestleMania, the closer we get to WrestleMania, the more excited I get. I will be in attendance for everything over the course of WrestleMania weekend. At least everything WWE related. With the exception of the Hall of Fame. So, as of right now, here's my schedule for WrestleMania weekend. Friday, I'll be in attendance for the Ring of Honor. Or no, rather, that's Saturday. Already I'm messing up. I apologize. Friday is NXT TakeOver New York. I'll be there with Alexis and Mr. Marceau RJ, who should hopefully be here on WrestleRant Radio in the next month to help me break down WrestleMania weekend and our predictions for both TakeOver and WrestleMania 35. So, all three of us will be in attendance for TakeOver that Friday. Earlier that day, I'll be at um, WrestleMania Access uh, in the Brooklyn area. I forgot what arena it's in, but I was at Access two years ago. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Got to meet Baron Corbin that day, so hoping for a hoping for a similar entertaining, enjoyable experience at this year's installment of Access. So that's Friday. Saturday, earlier on in the day, that afternoon, Alexis and I will be at WrestleCon. And as of right now, I got 10 former Intercontinental Champions that I want to meet to have signed my replica Intercontinental Championship belt. And as of right now, I think I have at least a dozen different signatures on the championship, including one from Sean Waltman. And don't ask me why. I thought he was a former IC champion when I had him sign it. I don't know why I had him sign it. Um, maybe I got the IC title mixed up with like the light heavyweight championship or something, but... Nonetheless, I'll have people sign that at WrestleCon that Saturday afternoon, that night. Alexis and I are going to the Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Supercard Show at Madison Square Garden. Cannot wait for that. And then Sunday, of course, WrestleMania 35. And then Monday, Monday Night Raw, and we head back on Tuesday. So we will be in the New York area from Thursday to Tuesday. Everything has been booked. Everything has been bought. We are fucking ready for WrestleMania weekend. Come early April, so March is going to be a bit of a, you know, it, it's going to be tough to get through, just because I am so excited for WrestleMania. I had this exact same thing happen two years ago when Jason and I went to WrestleMania weekend in um in Orlando, which I'll talk more about in a second because WrestleMania might be headed back to Tampa for next year, and I have mixed feelings on that. But um, yeah, so for WrestleMania 33 two years ago. I bought my tickets around the same time. This has all been planned now for for weeks. I just have not made it official publicly until just this past week. Um, But I I was so excited for WrestleMania. I just wanted March to be fucking over. And March was great. A lot of great stuff happened in March that year. But I was just so excited for WrestleMania. I couldn't wait wait anymore. I couldn't hold it in anymore. And then finally WrestleMania came and I did not want to leave Orlando. I'm, I'm expecting a similar feeling coming out of WrestleMania weekend this year. Now, granted, New York is no Florida, but it should be a great time nonetheless with the right people, the right wrestling shows. You can't ask for much more than that. Um, but as I mentioned, WrestleMania, it has not been yet made official, and I don't think it will be made official till they hold some sort of press conference in early March. It's the 28th as I record this. February is over today. March starts tomorrow. Um, so it should be made official within the next week or so, from what I've been hearing. But WrestleMania 35, or rather 36, the years just keep coming, 36 might be emanating from Tampa, Florida. It's like Rutherford, or I, I forgot what the name of the arena was, um, or, or who plays there. It's a pretty nice arena. And I think the Super Bowl's being held there in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's already been made official. But there has been talks for months about WrestleMania potentially headed back to the Florida area, They were in Orlando back in 2017, just two years ago. They were in Miami back in 2012. They were in um, Orlando as well in 2008 for WrestleMania 24. Now they're headed to Tampa, very likely for WrestleMania 36. Now, for anyone hoping, oh, why don't they go to England? Like, listen, I've long given up on the dream of WrestleMania going to England. I feel like if it was going to happen... It would have happened by now. Now, granted, the chances are likelier now than they've ever been before. With WWE so connected to the wrestling scene currently over in the UK, between NXT UK and NXT traveling over there quite a few times over the course of the year, and Ron Smackdown obviously emanate from England uh, a few times over the course of the year as well. So it, it could happen. It could very well happen at some point. I would suspect. They would hold another pay per view there first before they hold WrestleMania there to kind of work out the bugs with like the timing and the live stream and stuff like that to see if fans would be willing to stay up that late to watch a wrestling show. And I think they would. I honestly think they would. Because if they held WrestleMania at 8 o'clock, you know, uh, London time, it would be like 3 o'clock here. And I don't know if they would be willing to move WrestleMania to an earlier time slot on a Sunday, but I honestly see no reason not to. It's like watching fucking football on a Sunday afternoon. There's no difference, and I feel like it would be a lot better because it would allow me to go to bed a lot sooner, too. I love, like, the early takeovers that take place over in England um, that, like, are on early Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sunday afternoons because they're over by, like, 7 or 8 o'clock. Not even with NXT, they're over by, like, 6. Um, With WrestleMania, at the latest, it would be over at, like, 8. If the actual show starts at 3, if the show goes 5 hours, which it has in recent years. So, that, that's just my two cents. I know they may not be as high on that. I'm not going to sit here arguing about it forever, just because by this point it's pretty apparent they're likely not going to WrestleMania uh, or taking WrestleMania to uh, London overseas. So, potentially down the road, doesn't look like that's happening with WrestleMania 36. Instead, they're going back to Florida. And like I said, I have mixed feelings on this. Because I am from the East Coast. I'm very fortunate to be from the East Coast. At least in this respect. Because it seems like we get every fucking WrestleMania. WrestleMania is in New York. Basically my backyard. I live in Connecticut. But it's a train ride away. WrestleMania is in... I mean, technically New Jersey. But it's in that vicinity this year. Last year, they were over in um, New Orleans. Which isn't that far away from uh, from WrestleMania 33 from Orlando. Also on the East Coast which I could have gone to if I wanted to, but I already had my, booked, my my trip booked to Chicago for Money in the Bank weekend, which was well worth the time. And I'm going to WrestleMania this year, so I wanted to take a year off from that. And I was also at the Royal Rumble two months before that, so I did not go to WrestleMania last year. But that was also on the East Coast. 33, as they mentioned, in Orlando, which was amazing. A great tourist attraction place. You know, you have Disney World. The PC's right around there. I think it, it's in Tampa, not Orlando. I'm, I could be wrong. Um, but still, I mean, Orlando is a great attraction, it's a great tourist attraction, so they were there in 2017, 2016 was Texas, that's a bit farther from me, but also not on the West Coast, the last time WrestleMania was on the West Coast was WrestleMania 31, back in 2015, when it emanated from Santa Clara, California, for WrestleMania 31, and that was a great WrestleMania, and even before that, they were in New Orleans, the year before that, they were in New York, the year before that, they were in Florida, So it feels like they fucking have a pin board, and they throw a dart at it to whether they land on New York, Florida, or New Orleans. And if the pin falls, you know, fails to hit the board, they go to any other random city in the country, whether it be California or fucking Minnesota, which I know people got their hopes up for. And that's great and all, but I understand the complaints like, oh, it might be too cold there during the spring. Dude, fucking New York might be freezing in April. It very well might be cold come April for WrestleMania weekend. And I think people who live in the area can attest to that. Anyone denying it is an idiot. I don't know what rock you're living underneath. Not Dwayne Johnson, of course, hopefully. But um, I don't know what rock you're living underneath. But to assume that New York is going to be warm. I mean, it could be. I'm not saying it won't be. But with 100% guarantee that it's going to be warm in April for WrestleMania weekend is comical. It has snowed here in the Northeast, and in New York, in April before. So nothing is stopping the weather from being absolute shit come April. I am waiting for the year that it rains. And it could very well rain this year, who knows? We have no idea. And I I just cannot wait to be stuck in the fucking cold with the pouring rain coming down on me. It's bound to happen eventually. And it could very well be this year, of course, when I'm there. But I'll be excited to be in attendance nonetheless. But it's just disappointing because I would go to WrestleMania in Tampa because I love Florida. I've been waiting to go back since I was there. I was there for WrestleMania. Then I went back just mere months later with my family for a family vacation. I love Florida. I love Orlando. I love the whole, you know, the, the atmosphere. Not everything is great about Florida, but to go on for a quick vacation, it's awesome. If only to get away from the Northeast for a few days, if not a week or so. It's great for that reason alone. So I would, you know, possibly consider... Going to WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. But it just sucks for the rest of the country. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. I can only imagine how people on the West Coast feel. You know, forget about the people over in Europe. They have never gotten a WrestleMania before. They likely will never get a WrestleMania. They will always have to travel, and that sucks. But, like, the people on the West Coast, where are their WrestleManias? The people in California, the people in, like, Las Vegas, like... I don't know if they would hold a WrestleMania over there, but, you know, Texas got one a few years ago, and they had one in, um, you know, there for WrestleMania 25 back in 2009. So Texas has gotten a few WrestleManias, and it's nice and warm down there around April, so that would make sense. But still, it just feels like they go to the same cities, the same states every fucking year, and I love it personally because I get to go because it's close to me, and they're nice places to uh, to visit for WrestleMania weekend, but... I just feel bad for the rest of the country. <laughs> like, when are they going back to California? Whatever happened to them going to Minnesota? That's been rumored for years. And uh, clear they're not, clearly they're not going back for WrestleMania 36. I mean, it could still happen, but it's usually known around this point in time where they're going for WrestleMania the following year. And it's practically March. So if the dirt sheets are saying Tampa, it's probably going to be Tampa. So just prepare for that and all the backlash that might ensue from that. Three years removed from when they were last in Florida for WrestleMania 33. Speaking of the Florida area and NXT, kind of a cheap segue, but it, it's rare I review or recap or whatever, talk about NXT here on the show. I do with takeovers, but the weekly show itself, I just don't really get around to talking about here on the show on Thursdays because I'm, I'm coming off the show on Wednesday nights and I record these shows usually on Wednesday afternoon. So as of this recording... I have not watched NXT from Wednesday night. Therefore, I can't really talk about it. Um, But I do want to say this. On last week's show, Velveteen Dream was successful in beating Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Great match. Very cool moment. Don't know where it's going. But that's the part that I'm intrigued by. This whole takeover card. I don't know what matches are set in stone as of now. But just looking at what might be likely for the lineup. This could be one of the best takeovers they've ever done. And I feel like I've said that about almost every TakeOver that's ever happened for the most part. Um, But this TakeOver specifically could be a lot of fucking fun. And typically WWE has gone all out or NXT has gone all out during WrestleMania weekend in the last couple of years. That TakeOver Dallas show, phenomenal. TakeOver Orlando is kind of a step down, but it was still a solid show. TakeOver New Orleans, I still maintain, is the best TakeOver they've ever done. The one over WrestleMania weekend last year. So this year's... Has its work cut out for it. But again, like I said, based off what might be likely. Like, I'm assuming we're getting Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. That sounds fucking awesome. And I cannot wait for that. Um, especially if Shirai goes over and wins the championship. That would be a lot of fun. So I could see that being added to the card. For the NXT Tag Team titles, the War Raiders will be facing the winners of this year's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Who, you know, that could be won by any given team. Um, including the Street Profits. I think the Street Profits going for the gold in New York would be a lot of fucking fun. I think that'd be great. So the Street Profits and War Raider is a very solid addition to an otherwise awesome card. to a, An already stacked card, I should say, not otherwise. Um, I don't know what Ricochet would be doing. I don't know what Aleister Black would be doing. I don't even know what they do with the NXT Championship because DIY, I think, is being added to the tournament. By this point, you already know because this is going up after NXT Um, but I think I read a spoiler somewhere that's saying that DIY will be competing in the tournament. I don't know if they win or not, but that's pretty cool. So DIY, I think Black and Ricochet are in the tournament too, so I'm not sure if they are winning the whole thing and going for the tag titles to take over. I wouldn't be surprised just to get them on the show. I don't think they would win the belts, but that'd be pretty cool. Um, I don't know what you do with the NXT North American Championship, whether you do Dream, (coughs) excuse me, I don't know whether you do Dream and Gargano 2, or three or four. I mean, it depends on how many matches we're going off here. They've had a few matches by this point. They've all been entertaining. Um, so I would not be opposed to a rematch. But I think it's more likely Gargano does something with um, does something with Ciampa instead. And doesn't go back after Dream in the NXT North American title. Because his reign was pretty short-lived. But anyway, um, whoever Dream faces, that should be good. Maybe Matt Riddle. Because Matt Riddle's not doing anything to take over from what I assume from what I understand. So that'd be pretty awesome. Um, There's a lot of potential matches they could do on this show, and all of which I am very excited for. So like I said, top to bottom, this could be one of the strongest takeovers they've ever done. When all is said and done, this could go down as the best takeover of all time. And hopefully, come two months from now, a month and a half from now, when we review TakeOver New York and my in-depth analysis and experience from the show, hopefully we can... um, Say just that, that it was indeed the best takeover they've ever done. But only time will tell. Speaking of Matt Riddle, do you want to mention this real quick? I checked out the Arrival documentary that aired after all on the WWE Network this past week. If you're subscribed to the WWE Performance Center channel, which is amazing, by the way. If you're not, I don't know why you're not. You definitely should be. It's fucking amazing content. Um, Then you've already seen this. This Arrival series dates back a few months. They've been putting in installments since Riddle showed up in NXT at TakeOver Brooklyn 4 back in August. um, They simply just put all the YouTube videos together into one giant documentary and put it up on the network after Raw this week. So, in case you're not subscribed to the channel, please do so. And if you haven't checked out the documentary piece by piece, just check them out all in one episode in the form of the Arrival special that aired on the network after Raw this week. It was really good. And made you want to root for the guy and rally behind him and get behind him. And want to see him succeed under the NXT banner and eventually WWE. He didn't talk about the Brock Lesnar stuff and him wanting to retire Brock Lesnar. But quite honestly, I would love to see that happen. I don't know how likely that is. I don't know if Vince McMahon is under the same mindset. But if you want to have anyone retire Brock Lesnar, honestly, it should be fucking, it it should be Matt Riddle. This guy is as legit as they come. He screams star for one thing. If you wanted to make a star right off the bat, that's how you do it. By having Matt Riddle beat Brock Lesnar. I thought they should have done it with Samoa Joe. They did not. I thought they should have done it with Bobby Lashley last year. They did not. They had their chance with Matt Riddle and they make a star with the guy right out of the gate. I don't know if you would do it after WrestleMania this year, uh, per se. I think Riddle might spend a bit more time in NXT before getting called up. But still, the idea of Riddle going after the, um, the Beast, the man who... Um, I don't know if they were in UFC at the same time. I don't believe they were. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, Riddle and Lesnar is a match I would love to see. And there's not too many Lesnar matches left that I really want to see, to be honest with you. But um, I do think that's a match that would fucking kill it at WrestleMania. Um, or even at another pay-per-view. If it took place after WrestleMania and Riddle showed up on the Raw at the WrestleMania next year... Whatever it might be, that is something I could absolutely get behind. And one quick note here before we get to Raw, it was announced on Tuesday that the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame for the class of 2019, none other than the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, Long overdue, I remember reading a rumor back years ago, like almost a decade ago at this point, that the Honky Tonk Man was asked to go into the Hall of Fame... I think back over WrestleMania 26 weekend, that's a long time ago, which was, I believe, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona, because I think he lives in the area. They asked him to go in that year, and he said no. I don't think because he didn't want to go in, because he was on good terms with the company, he's appeared with the company, he's appeared on their TV program since then. Um, He was on TV around that time, so I don't think it was a matter of any bad blood between the two sides. I think he just had something else going on whether it be an appearance somewhere or a convention or something like that. So he passed. And they haven't asked him since until this year. So I'm glad it's finally happening. I'm just surprised it took so fucking long. Um, But I think that would explain why they had Ted DiBiase headline that year's Hall of Fame class, which was good. I love the Million Dollar Man, but he felt like a very strange um, headliner for that year's class. And I think that was also the same year they asked Ultimate Warrior to go in, who was also from Arizona, also from Phoenix. So, he didn't go in either, so they kind of had to, like, oh, shit, who else are we going to have go in? And they asked Teddy Biazzi. (coughs) Excuse me, I think he was going to go in anyway. I think Teddy Biazzi was already slated to go in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not sure if he was meant to be the headliner. So, that would explain that. But, yeah, Honky Tonk Man finally going in. The video package they put up for him on SmackDown this week just kind of showed some clips of him. They didn't really talk about his career, which was a little weird. They just kind of showed clips of him talking and performing and dancing and wrestling. And that was about it. No mention of the fact that he was the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. And one of the most colorful characters in WWE history from the 80s. So um, I think it's a very worthy induction. Looking forward to him getting inducted over WrestleMania weekend this year. In terms of who else might be joining him in in D-Generation X for this year's Hall of Fame class, I don't really have many guesses. Um, At one point, Batista was rumored to be inducted about a year ago. Obviously, I don't think that's happening as far as, um, since he's wrestling on this year's card. From what it looks like, I'll talk more about that in my Raw review coming up soon. So, I'd be surprised if Batista went in this year. Like Goldberg. Goldberg came back for one more match. And then was inducted the following year for Hall of Fame, um, 2018. So, I could see Batista going in next year. Maybe not this year, though. So, Batista's a no-go. Um, the Rock I I'm shocked they have not inducted the Rock yet. Maybe because the Rock feels well, two things. One, the Rock is very busy. But two, also because I think the Rock may feel that his in ring career isn't over yet. And the clock's ticking. The guy has not really wrestled a match since WrestleMania twenty nine, the last New York WrestleMania, um, in twenty thirteen. That was six years ago. He had that six second squash against Eric Rowan at WrestleMania thirty two. That was hardly a match though. Um, I know it was rumored they wanted to do The Rock. Maybe Roman Reigns at WrestleMania or The Rock and Brock Lesnar or The Rock and Triple H. The Rock and Triple H isn't happening because Triple H is clearly facing Batista at WrestleMania this year, which, um, I'd rather see instead, to be honest with you. But, um, I don't know what else he would do with The Rock. I mean, it's so close to WrestleMania, I don't think he's coming back. By this point, if he hasn't already returned, he isn't. Um, <coughs> he was at a good stretch of WrestleMania's. From WrestleMania 27 to WrestleMania 32. And then he didn't show up at 33 or 34. So I don't know if this year is any different. What he has going on. What he's busy with. What he's filming for. So I'm not exactly sure what his status is for WrestleMania. But when it comes to The Rock. um, I don't think he's going into the Hall of Fame. Otherwise they would have announced them all outright. He would have been the first person they announced. For this year's Hall of Fame class. So if he's not going in. If he hasn't been announced already. He's not going in this year. Um, the Undertaker is another name that might be going into the Hall of Fame. and Again, another guy. I feel like if he was going in, they would have already announced it. So I don't think that's happening this year. DX would not be headlining if it was The Undertaker going in. So I don't think The Undertaker is going in either. I already talked about The Undertaker a week or two ago here on the show in terms of what he might have in store for WrestleMania. And at this point, March is practically here. I we have heard nothing about Undertaker's potential opponent for WrestleMania. Uh, Styles is locked up. Triple H is locked up. All the big names are pretty much locked up. Uh, I, I have no desire to see Undertaker versus really anyone on the roster. You know, maybe a Finn Balor. I mean, at this point, that I think that ship has sailed. The Demon versus the Phenom. That would have been sick like three or four years ago. At this point, I just don't care. Um, I've heard people say maybe Aleister Black... Yeah, if Aleister Black won, which I don't know if he would. Otherwise, it's a waste. So I'm not going to go on another tangent about Brock or, uh, Undertaker matches at WrestleMania. But uh, I don't think he's wrestling. Which is probably for the better if his last match at Crown Jewel was any indication. It is slightly sad that his last match could be at the Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia. Given how fucking atrocious that match was. But if it means him never wrestling again coming off his last few pretty embarrassing WrestleMania matches, then so be it. So let's move right into Raw for Monday night. Overall, I thought this was a very good show. Easily the best Raw they put together in months and months and months. And it was reported about a week ago that Bruce Pritchard has since been brought back on to the creative team in WWE. Whether he had anything to do with it, I have no idea. But the fact that both Raw and SmackDown this week were very good, to me is no coincidence. Now... It's a question of whether they can maintain this momentum going forward. Will Raw and SmackDown stay this good in the remainder on the road of of WrestleMania? On the road to WrestleMania? Who knows? That's the real question here. So one week is not all that telling. The show remains great. Both shows remain very compelling. And they can't bring people back every single week, mind you. But I thought the overall layout of both shows this week was different different than usual. For the most part. For the most part. So, uh, hopefully that was the Bruce Prichard influence, and we see more of that in the weeks to come. But this week's Raw, as announced the last Thursday on social media, was kicked off by the returning Roman Reigns, who had announced that he was indeed back because his leukemia was in remission, which is amazing news. You had to know it would have been positive news based on the fact that they were not flying him in to say that, oh, I'm still sick, or my condition's gotten worse only to fly him right out to Good Morning America the very next morning. So, everyone kind of knew it would be positive news, but that did not take away from this moment in the slightest. This was amazing news, very well received by the crowd in attendance who treated Roman Reigns like a fucking superhero here. Easily the most, you know, positive reaction this guy has ever gotten. And for those saying, like, oh, the fans are hypocrites for only cheering him for him because he has cancer, blah, blah, blah. It is what it is. I really don't know what to say. Yeah, Roman Reigns would likely still be booed to this day if he, did, if he didn't go down with cancer about you know four or five months ago. But I don't want to say it was the best thing to happen to him because clearly I don't want anyone to get cancer. Um, but that could be the blessing in disguise in this whole thing, that it could lead to Roman Reigns getting a better reaction and being better received. Now, how long this will stick for, I don't know. If fans will go back to booing Roman within a month or two, that remains to be seen. This could have been a one-night thing. But WWE has something very special here. This is like the reset button with Roman Reigns. It really is. If his booking goes back to being shit, and they go back to shoving him down our throats and nothing changes about Roman Reigns whatsoever, then yes, he will go back to being booed before long. But if they see this as a turning point, they they treat this like a turning point, and they make Roman the character that he should have been years ago, They don't shove him down our throats, he's not involved in every WrestleMania main event beating this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy, facing Brock Lesnar every fucking two months. Then yes, this could be a real turning point for the Roman Reigns character. And obviously it's less about the character right now and more about the fact that the guy is healthy and happy. That's what's most important, of course, above all else. But it should be noted that going forward, they have a real opportunity to make Roman Reigns the beloved hero that he should have been from day one. But it wasn't his fault, it was the fucking company's fault. It's like Paige saying, oh, it wasn't the company's fault, it was the fans' fault for the women's evolution starting as late as it did. What a dumb thing to say. Um, I don't think anyone can argue that it was Roman's fault that the guy was booed a few years ago. It was entirely the company's fault. Regardless of what your feelings are towards Reigns, you gotta agree, the company's booking of him was what really fucked him over. But like I said, this could be a turning point. This could be the moment in time where people realize, hey, this guy's pretty good. And yeah, maybe they weren't saying that before, but maybe his booking change. maybe the booking of the Roman Reigns character changes moving forward. And that's really all that matters. If he comes across as more genuine, no more hokey shit, no more winning every fucking match he's a part of, no more, you know, giving his opportunities or taking other people's opportunities. Again, not his fault. But like when you push Roman Reigns as the universal champion coming out of SummerSlam over two guys who were more over than he was in Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins at the time, that was a mistake. Not Roman's fault, the company's fault. But hopefully they can learn from those mistakes and realize that they should not be putting all their eggs in one basket. Because when that type of shit happens and Roman Reigns goes down with cancer, who else is there for them to rely on? Nobody! Nobody! Raw has sucked, and granted, Raw sucked anyway, even before Roman Reigns got sick, so... Yeah, I've missed Roman Reigns on WWE TV, but for those saying, like, oh, Roman Reigns being gone made Raw awful, dude, Raw already sucked anyway. Go watch any Raw from, like, September, October, August, before the guy got sick. The show was really not that good anyway. Yeah, it was, worse without, it was worse without him around, but it wasn't great with him, so that's not really all of his doing, but it's great to have him back nonetheless. And hopefully Raw can uh, be on the ascent from here on out. But yeah, with Roman Reigns, they have a real opportunity to make this guy what he should have been all along. So that's what I'm looking forward to here. That's what I'm expecting. Maybe not expecting. That's what I'm hoping for. You can't really expect anything with this company because they'll just turn around and disappoint you. But uh, the hope, the hope is that Roman Reigns can maintain this momentum, maintain this fanfare and uh, be the babyface that he should have been from day one. But the company had to go at, go ahead and fuck it up by giving um, other people's opportunities to him, like Daniel Bryan, like Seth Rollins, like this guy, like that guy, like John Cena all over again. But John Cena never had cancer. John Cena never way never went away for any point in time for more than a few months. Yes, he you know broke his fucking neck for a few weeks and then he came back ahead of schedule, and so did Roman Reigns. Um, but Cena was booed when he came back. Roman was not booed on Monday's Raw. But then again, Cena was injured. Roman Reigns was sick with cancer. I'm not saying, hey, if you want to get John Cena to cheer, the guy should get cancer. Nobody should have cancer. It should never have to come down to that. If anything, it's actually pretty sad that it took cancer to get people to cheer Roman Reigns. I'm not saying they shouldn't be cheering Roman Reigns. They absolutely should be. But that's sad for the company's sake that it took so fucking long for them to get Roman Reigns over that it took a fucking illness for him to get accepted and endeared by almost all of the fan base. It shouldn't have to come to that. None of this should have ever happened. Obviously, no one gave him cancer on purpose to get him over. That's fucking ridiculous. And anyone insinuating that is an idiot and should stay away from society at all costs because you're a moron if you think that. But uh, going back to my original point with Roman Reigns, they should not be putting all their eggs in one basket. Because when the guy goes down, whether it be with an injury or with an illness or whatever, they need to know that they can rely on other people on both brands to carry this company. WWE has is, is never, or it, it has been at certain points, but it should never be about just one person. It should be about a, a group of people. You can build around a core group of people, not just one. Because when that one person goes down, and you're, you know, shit out of luck in creating new stars because you have buried everyone else, you're fucked. And then we're left with issues like with what we had back in October, November, December, when almost nobody was over except for a select few, and the shows were terrible as a result. So, again, moving forward, they should learn from that. Build around Roman, that's fine. I'm not saying D-push Roman or anything like that. Make him a mid-card guy. No, the guy's a main event player. Build around Roman, but also build around... You know, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. The Braun Strowman ship, that may have sailed, but hopefully they can learn from that as well. And hopefully now that Roman's back, this does not mean that Rollins is losing at WrestleMania. They're going to keep the belt on Brock just to have Roman beat Brock for it again. That would be the absolute dumbest thing they could possibly do is to have Roman and Brock part fucking 10 and have Roman beat Brock for the belt. That is how you fuck up Roman Reigns' return. That is how you fuck up the fanfare he's getting right now. That is how you accomplish that. So if they want to go out of the way to mess up Roman Reigns before he's even really back in, 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 in full form, before he's even back at 100%, uh, before he's you know, back in the full swing of things, that's how you do it. I would hope that's not the case, though. I would hope they put the belt on Rollins, they build around Rollins as the face of Raw, they could even move Reigns to SmackDown. I don't see that happening, but quite honestly, I could see Roman going to SmackDown and AJ going to Raw. I could very well see that being the case. And quite honestly, I want to see that happen. I want to see AJ and Rollins coincide, coexist on on Raw and Roman can have SmackDown all to himself, fresh opportunities, fresh batch of people to work with. Uh it could be Shinsuke Nakamura we could have Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. That would be a lot of fun. A heel Daniel Bryan and a, a babyface Roman Reigns would be a lot of fun. You could do that. Dean Ambrose is gone, whatever, but um yeah, Roman and Roman and Dean if they want to do that before Dean leaves, but yeah, Roman and Akamoro could be really cool. Roman and Daniel Bryan, Roman and the Miz. They they've done that before a few times, but it's it's an idea. Roman and Alistair Black, Roman and Ricochet if they end up on SmackDown coming out of WrestleMania. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There's a few different things they could do with Roman on SmackDown compared to you know, his time on Raw where he's beaten and faced everybody. Rollins, we've seen Roman and Rollins a million times. So I don't really want to see that again. Roman and Brock, get him the fuck away from Brock Lesnar, please. Him and Kevin Owens, Kevin's on SmackDown now. I don't really need to see Roman and Kevin again. But that's an idea too. But honestly, I'm calling it now. Roman, SmackDown, AJ Raw, Superstar Shakeup, 2019. That's my big prediction for this year. So also on Raw this week, speaking of Alistair Black and Ricochet, they took on the Raw Tag Team Champions of the Revival in another very good match. I'm just not a fan of the Raw Tag Team Champions losing two weeks in a row. Now the Revival have since gone on social media and poked one of the fact that, yeah, we're losers still. We may have belts around our waist, but we're still losing every single fucking week. But at least the matches are good. I will say that. They should not be beating Black and Ricochet at this point in time. But if that's the case, then don't put them in there with the Raw Tag Team Champions. Or have them win clean. Have them win by countout or something. It's great that they're looking good so far in their main roster runs. I'm very happy about that. But at the same time, you should not be beating your Raw Tag Team Champions. The same way they should not be beating Daniel Bryan every fucking week. Now that may be Daniel Bryan's idea to have him get pinned by Kevin Owens. To have him get pinned by Mustafa Ali. To have him get pinned by Kofi Kingston. But the more they do that, the less it means when these people actually lose their championships. Their reign feels like a, a fucking joke. As a result, it feels like what 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 a waste of time. Why were they even champion? All they do is lose. So when it comes to the revival, I can hope. I would hope that they get back on track and um, they can win a match at some point. I would assume that where this is going. If they keep Black and Ricochet, Gargano and Ciampa on the main roster for the foreseeable future, I don't know what show they end up on. They might continue to pull double duty for the foreseeable future. But uh, based I mean, they're, they're clearly showing Bobby Roode and Chad Gable in the back watching these matches for a reason. And I think this is headed to a fatal four-way at the Fastlane pay-per-view. Black and Ricochet, Gargano, Ciampa, Gable and Roode in the revival for the Raw Tag Team titles. That way... You don't have to put the tag team titles on Black and Ricochet. You don't have to put the tag team titles on uh, on Gargano and Champa. And you don't have to have them get beat either. You could have the Revival pin, Gable, and Rude, And that's how they retain their championships. That, I think the match would be amazing. And that would make the most sense. Because you don't have Black and Ricochet and Gargano and Ciampa beat the Raw tag team champions. Only to turn around and be like, nah, we don't really want the belts. Like, that just makes the championships look that much more pointless. That much more meaningless. So uh, that, that's what I would do. But yeah, this was a fun match. I'm not all that high on the uh, on the idea of the Revival losing clean two weeks in a row. But on the bright side, Black and Ricochet are looking good so far. Gargano and Ciampa are looking good so far. They weren't in action this week on WWE TV. They were supposed to be on SmackDown. More on that later. Uh, Gargano and Ciampa took a back seat this week. But Black and Ricochet are killing it. And like I said, if my suspicions are correct, and what if I, if, if what I read is accurate and Black and Ricochet are entering the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, I expect them to win over the Street Profits, and I expect them to take on the War Raiders for the NXT Tag Team titles a TakeOver. And that match, regardless of whether they win or lose, would be an absolute blast, and a great way for both guys to um, you know, have a final farewell in NXT before they call it a day on NXT, and they move up to the main roster. Black should be called up ASAP. Ricochet... They could wait a little longer. They can have him go for the NXT Championship if they wanted to. It's not imperative that he gets called up. Black absolutely should be main roster bound coming out of WrestleMania. Absolutely. But if they want to have him team with Ricochet for a time and have him face um, the War Raiders at TakeOver New York, I am in full favor of that, and the match I know would be great. Following the Aleister Black-Ricochet tag team match, we had Elias come out do his standard concert, only to be interrupted by Lacey Evans, who... As she did last week on Raw, as she did last week on SmackDown, as she did at Elimination Chamber, she came on out, walked down the ramp, only to walk right back to the back. I don't know where they're going with this. It's pointless, in my opinion. Maybe just to elicit more heat for I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. To generate more heat for Lacey Evans ahead of a possible SmackDown Women's Championship match with Asuka at WrestleMania? That's my guess. That's really my only guess. I know Dave Meltzer is, like, fucking hell-bent on the idea of Evans facing Oscar at WrestleMania. Not because he particularly wants to see the match. But I think because he was reporting that that was the idea. Behind what they're doing in Lacey Evans right now. Which, you know what, is better than nothing. I honestly, it's pointless shit. To do what they're doing with Lacey Evans on Raw and SmackDown right now. To have her walk out, only to walk to the backstage area. Yeah, it's pointless. But if nothing else, it gets people talking about Lacey Evans. It keeps her presence... You know, it it, it makes people aware of her presence on both shows. Whereas with someone like, you know, Nikki Cross or EC3, where the fuck have they been? Nikki Cross lost to Ruby Riott two weeks ago on Raw. She wasn't on Raw last week, and she wasn't on Raw this week, or SmackDown either week. As for EC3, he was on Raw two weeks ago, lost right back to Dean Ambrose after beating him the week prior, was not on Raw last week, and was not on Raw this week. And if you argue, oh, he was in the birthday party, you know, with the fucking Sting during his entrance, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. So no, EC3 was not on Raw either week or SmackDown. Again, what a fucking waste. Two good characters that have already been squandered on the main roster. Way to go, WWE. But yeah, Dean Ambrose came out after Lacey Evans did to uh, interrupt Elias and challenge Drew McIntyre to a no-disqualification rematch from last week's show after... Ambrose was effectively squashed by McIntyre on that show. Uh, Ambrose then turned his attention to Elias, laid him out with dirty deeds, and that was that. Ronda Rousey teamed with Natalya to take on the Riot Squad for the upteenth time. Why this was necessary, I have no idea, aside from just to kill time. I like the Riot Squad, but like I said last week, they're fucking losers. They're losers. They never win. And whenever they do, it means nothing. This was a total filler match. I don't know why this happened. Rousey has already beaten the Riot Squad, or at least beaten Riot two times in the last eight days, prior to this matchup, only to face her again on this show. And the match had no finish because Becky Lynch came out, despite being suspended. She came out anyway, and um, interrupted the matchup, and um, you know beat up Natalya with her crutch and beat up the Riot Squad and then targeted Rhonda. And they had a good brawl. I thought it was a good angle. The crowd was into it. I don't know where they're going with this whole Becky-Ronda Rousey thing that led to Becky getting arrested. Why she was not arrested after she crashed the Elimination Chamber segment a few weeks ago, I have no idea. Only being arrested now compared to two weeks ago? They're so inconsistent with the storyline. It could be worse, and I don't know where they're going with it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But so far, it's questionable to say the least. So Becky did her thing, and she got arrested... Um, so she took her mug shot and I think that made that, she made that her Twitter profile picture, which was pretty funny. And then Ronda Rousey demanded that Charlotte or rather, uh, that Stephanie come down to the ring and make the situation right. She went back and forth and Stephanie was like, Oh, there's nothing I could do. Becky broke the law, blah, blah, blah. She's in jail now. And Rousey said, I need you to do the right thing. You guys need to make the right decision. So then she gave up the Raw Women's Championship. As far as I understand, Ronda Rousey is still technically the Raw Women's Champion. Despite essentially forfeiting the belt here to Stephanie, she's still the champion. Charlotte teased going to Raw this week. I think she'll be on Raw on Monday to take the Raw Women's Championship and be crowned the new champion. Blah, 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 blah. So um, I'm intrigued to see where this storyline is going. I know that's what they wanted to accomplish here. The road in which they're getting to the point of making this a triple threat match, Has been confusing at times. But at least they're trying. And at least all parties involved are still very much over. Rousey, she gets booed more than she's cheered usually. But uh, she's playing her role well. Becky is getting cheered beyond belief still. And Charlotte has been playing an amazing heel. An amazing bitch character up to this point. So I like that a lot. Kurt Angle um, answered a Jinder Mahal Open Challenge and uh, proceeded to beat the former WWE champion. Yes, Jinder Mahal, a former WWE champion, less than two years ago. In fact, it was only 15 months ago that Jinder Mahal was the WWE champion, if you can believe that. But um, yeah, Angle won within a few minutes. Thank God. I got scared for a second that Angle would actually lose to Jinder Mahal of all people. And don't give me this shit that, oh, is a former champion. He shouldn't be losing to people Kurt Angle's age. Kurt Angle should not be losing to a fucking loser like Jinder Mahal. Kurt Angle has since lost to Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, this guy, that guy. They need the guy they need to give the guy a win at some point or another. He's not 60 years old. Yes, he's no longer in the peak of his he's no no longer in the prime of his career. But Kurt Angle should not be losing to everybody on the roster. Because it makes anyone who beats Kurt Angle mean that much less. So I was very happy to see Kurt Angle finally win a match here. I still don't know who he's facing at WrestleMania and what this whole retirement storyline has in store for him. But this was fine. Uh, For the Intercontinental Championship. So, well, even before that, Finn Balor was a guest on the Moment of Bliss with Alexa Bliss, who was once again very sexual, is the right word here to use? I'm not sure. Suggestive? Suggestive? Um, so she's like, oh, if you show Balor, if you show me your abs, I'll show you my... And then she was cut off by Leo Rush's music. Corey Graves, ever the horny man on commentary, starts freaking out that Leo Rush ruined the whole thing. And Balor played some mind games with Rush and basically manipulated him into giving him an Intercontinental Championship match. Balor giving Rush the IC title shot. Because he want The whole point of this segment was for Rush to come out and for him... To give Bobby Lashley another shot at the Intercontinental Championship. Balor did the opposite and gave Rush the Intercontinental Championship instead. I was glad it was a competitive match. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Rush looked good in defeat. I mean, the outcome was never in doubt. Because the guy's been a punching bag since he showed up on Raw. But I was glad that he looked as credible as he did in defeat. And has and had as good of a showing as he did. So I enjoyed the match. Balor went over. Still the Intercontinental Champion. Bobby Lashley yelled at Leo Rush backstage before Leo Rush made his way back to the ring alongside Bobby Lashley for a match with Braun Strowman that never came to be. So, before the bell could even ring, I don't know if Bobby and Leo attacked Braun first, or Braun went after them, I don't really remember. But, chaos ensued at ringside, Braun Strowman plowed through both of them, chucking them both into the um, barricade, and that was it. They played Braun's music, and that was the end of the segment. So, they technically... You know, saved me from watching a Bobby Lashley Braun Strowman match, so for that I I applaud them. I thank them for that. But then what was the point of this? Are they saving it for WrestleMania? I don't know. But I thought that was a weird. It was a weird angle. Why even advertise a match if all you were gonna do was have Strowman attack Bobby and have that be it? That was strange. Notice qualification match between Drew McIntyre and Dean Ambrose. Much better than the match from last week. Last week was a glorified fucking squash um, thankfully this was much more competitive, and Drew McIntyre once again went over as he should have, the interference from, um, the other guys, from Bobby, from Barron, from, uh, Elias, I was not a fan of that, that had to have been expected, because everyone has been involving themselves in McIntyre and Corbin's business lately, I don't like the mini alliance between the four of them, but whatever, Um, before they could lay a further beating on Ambrose and, you know, further beat him down and whatever, Seth Rollins comes out alongside Roman Reigns. So two members of the former S.H.I.E.L.D. faction uh, come on out to save Dean Ambrose from Elias, from Bobby Lashley, from Drew McIntyre, and from Baron Corbin, successfully forcing them to flee from the ring, leaving Roman and uh, Rollins to stand tall. Ambrose never once reunited with Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins, there was no interaction there whatsoever. They did look back at Dean when they made their way back up the ramp. They did do that to tease the S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. At this point, I'm not sure how to feel. It's great to see the S.H.I.E.L.D. potentially back. I'm sitting here wearing my S.H.I.E.L.D. shirt as we speak. Um, but to reunite them four months after they broke up, thanks to Dean Ambrose, it should take a little more than Roman and Rollins saving Ambrose for, um, for them to forgive him. So I would hope it would take a little more than that. They should drag this out until WrestleMania. Maybe this is WWE's way of attempting to convince Ambrose to stick around. Like, hey, we'll give you the shield. We'll give you this. We'll, we'll give you that if you stick around. Because his heel run was a flop. The guy's a way better heel than has a baby face. But the whole run was a flop. Maybe they can turn him back heel, assuming he sticks around, um, after the shield breaks up the next time. Maybe it's Roman's turn to go heel. But, uh... Yeah, they they reunite, they, they break up and reunite more than the fucking Backstreet Boys. Like, Jesus Christ. I love the Shield, but sometimes it's one return too many. But I thought it was a cool moment, and we'll see where it goes. The current rumor is that they might be doing Rollins, Roman, um, Seth, Roman, and Ambrose, and Braun Strowman versus the uh, four-man team of Elias, McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin at the next pay-per-view. I don't know where that leaves Balor in his feud with Bobby Lashley, but that would seem to make the most sense. Now again, I don't know where you go with that going into WrestleMania. Maybe they do Drew and Braun or Drew and and Braun or Bobby and Braun one-on-one. I would rather see Drew and Braun personally. But then what do you do with Roman Reigns? So now that Roman Reigns is back, I'm curious what you do with him at WrestleMania. Um, Obviously the main event is already set in stone. They could add Roman, which I think would be incredibly dumb. That Roman to Seth versus Brock. Have it be just Seth and Brock one-on-one plays. But, um, yeah, so what do you do with Roman Reigns? Do you have him face Dean Ambrose? Do you have him team with Dean Ambrose? Does he face Drew McIntyre? There's a few different options. But as of right now, it's not clear-cut because I think this whole thing kind of came out of nowhere and the company was not expecting Roman to be back for WrestleMania. So I this is probably as much of a surprise to you know, them as it was to Roman that he's back so soon. So again, we'll see where it goes. I'm intrigued. I don't know what more you can do with Roman aside from anything involving Dean Ambrose, um, who's on his way out, but we'll see. Bailey beat Nia Jax one-on-one. The match was not all that good at all. Um, The match kind of sucked. Nia Jax specifically was terrible, but moving on. We had the Ric Flair's 70th birthday celebration in the main event segment on the show. Uh, various uh, various special guests included Shawn Michaels, WWE Hall of Famer Sting, who we have not seen on Raw in uh, four years, maybe? At least four years. It's been a long time, so great to see Sting on Raw. Ricky Steamboat, Kurt Angle came out, Triple H, Stephanie, the whole shebang, the entire roster was up on the stage. They introduced Ric Flair via a video package, and then... Gave him a world championship belt, a commemorative championship belt, and form of in the form of the old world heavyweight title, which was really cool. But before Ric Flair could come out, he was ambushed backstage by Batista. So Batista making his first WWE TV appearance since October, when he showed up on SmackDown during SmackDown 1000. It appears they are going full-fledged forward with uh, you know giving the green light to Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania, which I'm in full favor of. I like that idea a lot. Um, the match itself won't be anything special, but it makes sense from a storyline standpoint. Batista wants to face Triple H. He really, really wants to face Triple H at WrestleMania. He's been saying this for years. He's a way better heel than has a baby face. So I like the idea of doing Batista and Triple H at WrestleMania. So yeah, he attacked Ric Flair backstage, dragged him outside of his dressing room, beat the shit out of him. And he goes, do I have your attention now, Triple H? Do I have your attention now, Hunter? And then he walked out. So this was a great angle. I thought it was a great way to close the show. Great to see Batista back. Um, First time in a long time on Raw. Probably his first Raw appearance since he quit back almost five years ago in the face of Triple H when Evolution disbanded. So I like this a lot. And they can also factor in the fact that um, Batista has been begging for this match for years. They can incorporate the fact that Batista was turned down by Triple H years ago. Be like, hey, you thought my movie career would be a failure. You thought I'd be a loser. Blah, blah, blah. Now I'm back to face you. If this is what it takes to face you, then so be it. There's a lot they could do with this feud aside from oh you never beat me. And that's a good narrative to tell, but you can go a lot deeper with this. You can go a lot deeper with this storyline by having Batista stay, you guys have been turning me down for years. I've always wanted to come back, but you would always deny me, blah blah blah. There's a lot they could do with this storyline. And for that reason alone, I'm looking forward to it. This this feud could be a lot of fun. Maybe more so than the match itself, but I'm excited nonetheless. So I thought Raw on Monday was great. SmackDown followed it up with an equally entertaining show on Tuesday, kicking off with a contract signing between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston for their WWE Championship match at, um, at, not, I almost wrote it, WrestleMania at Fastlane in a couple weeks, only to be interrupted. And every contract signing, there's always a caveat. It never goes out as planned. Whether it be a brawl, or someone not signing the contract, something always goes awry every fucking time. This contract signing? No exception. Got crashed by Mr. McMahon himself, who said he had another opponent in mind for Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. So instead challenging for the WWE Championship at that pay-per-view, Kevin Owens, who we have not seen since he got injured back in October. So, uh, great to see Kevin Owens back. This has been rumored for a while that Kevin Owens might be facing, um... Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, but it seems like they may have switched plans. So instead of Owens and Bryan at WrestleMania, it may be, or will be, Owens and Bryan at Fastlane. So this could mean Kofi Kingston could be getting the championship shot at WrestleMania instead, which I think is even better. And that increases the opportunity, or increases the chances rather, increases the chances that we could get um, Kofi Kingston as WWE Champion by the end of WrestleMania that is very likely more likely now than ever before so i'm glad with the ch- i'm happy with the change clearly kofi's time in the main event picture is not over the guy's really over right now and i think that's awesome kofi and bryan on paper even a few weeks ago did not feel like a wrestlemania worthy match but they could build it up to be one in the next couple weeks if they wanted to so i'm looking forward to that but yeah kevin being back is great they did announce here that it would be kevin owens and Kofi Kingston teaming up in the main event against Daniel Bryan and Eric Roan in his first match back since August. Um, after that, the surprises just kept on coming. The bar, which was originally supposed to see... So the match was supposed to be Cesaro versus Johnny Gargano one-on-one, coming off of last week's match that saw the bar lose to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in tag team action. So they show the bar in the ring, and they say, oh, they're getting prepared for tag team action, and I'm like, Why? It should be Cesaro and Johnny Gargano. What the fuck happened? Jeff Hardy's music hits, which was cool. It's like, okay, who is he teaming with? Is he teaming with Rey Mysterio? What's going on here? And then it becomes known. It was Matt fucking Hardy. Matt Hardy's back. The bar, the, the Hardy boys have reunited. The Hardy boys are back in action, baby, for the first time since the fall of 2017, which I thought was awesome. And for the first time on SmackDown, in years. Uh, probably the first SmackDown match these two have had since August of 2009. That's a long-ass time. And that was when they first had their feud, and then they broke up, and Matt, ha- Matt Hardy went over to SmackDown. So, that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, the Hardy Boys are back. Beat the bar. Familiar foes. It was the bar who beat the Hardy Boys for the Raw Tag Team titles back in the summer of 2017. So, familiar foe is there. Um, I would assume the Hardy Boys are clearly have their sights set in the SmackDown Tag Team Championship and will be in line for a SmackDown Tag Team title shot come WrestleMania against the Usos. That's a WrestleMania match. Hardys, Usos, that's a WrestleMania match waiting to happen. So I'm looking forward to that. For those wondering, Matt Hardy was not in Woken mode. No signs of Woken. I mean, there were some signs of Woken. Um, Jeff was doing the Delete Chance, as was Matt. He did the wonderful shit. It was like Matt Hardy circa WrestleMania 33. When he came back and was doing you know, the whole broken thing without actually being broken. He was talking normally afterward at WWE.com, so he tamed his condition um, just in time to, uh, you know, just in time to return. So, uh, you know, I'm a a little disappointed because I love the Woken stuff. I love the Woken, Broken stuff. But if it means getting Matt Hardy back on TV alongside his brother, and who knows, maybe they could do the Woken stuff together on TV. I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be really fucking cool if they could be the Broken Brothers on SmackDown. That would be awesome with Brother Nero and Woken and Matt Hardy. But again, in due time, we'll see. But yeah, this was really fucking cool. This was awesome. So um the Hardy boys beat the bar, and like I said, I think they have their sights set on the SmackDown tag team titles. Come WrestleMania. Speaking of championship matches, R Truth appeared. Um you could take his name off the you could take his face off the back of the milk carton, because R-Truth has since returned to SmackDown for the first time in a month since he won the U.S. Championship, uh, to issue an U.S. Open Challenge, which was answered by both Rey Mysterio and Andrade in a triple threat match. So he initially wanted to face neither of them, and then he was like, yeah, you know what, I'll do what John Cena did and face both guys, whatever. So it turned into a triple threat between R-Truth, Andrade, and Rey Mysterio. And actually, the match was pretty fun. It was a really good match. They all worked well together. As I expected, R-Truth did retain the title. I hope it's not for long, though, and I hope they get the championship off of Truth and give it to either Andrade or Rey Mysterio come fast lane or soon after. Because the real WrestleMania match is Rey Mysterio and Andrade one-on-one for that U.S. championship. R-Truth can go in the fucking battle royal for all I care. But the WrestleMania match for that title should be Rey Mysterio versus Andrade. Charlotte Flair, I talked about her earlier. She addressed um, Ronda Rousey's promo from Raw and Becky Lynch's status and said that she will be on Raw this coming week to uh, take her rightful claim as the Raw Women's Champion now that Ronda Rousey has, I guess, relinquished the championship to Stephanie McMahon, even though as of right now, I believe she's still officially recognized as the Raw Women's Champion. Aleister Black and Ricochet teamed up once again to take on Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Very fun match. I don't know <coughs> excuse me, I don't know what they're doing with Nakamura and Rusev right now, but they were basically the stepping stones to Black and Ricochet here, so this was a good match. Black picked up the win with a black mass after Nakamura went for the uh, Kinsasha kick. Black reversed with the black mass. So again, I I think Black and Ricochet are winning that Dusty Road Team Classic. That's my prediction as of now. Then the main event. So Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston team up successfully against Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. Like I said earlier with the revival, Daniel Bryan needs to stop taking clean pinfalls. It was cool like the first time or two, the guy loses now every fucking week. So what does it even mean for him to be WWE champion if all he does is lose? I think that's ridiculous. So he did get pinned here by Kevin Owens following a stunner, which I really hope is not his full finisher, his new finisher. He uh, Daniel Bryan kicked out of the pop-up powerbomb. So that might have been meant to signify that Uh, Owens' days using the pop-up powerbomb as a finisher are over. I hope that's not the case. But nonetheless, this was a good match meant to establish Owens as the new number one contender to the title. Kofi Kingston, like I said earlier, clearly he will get another title shot at some point or another. I assume it will be at WrestleMania. And also on the show, real quick, we had AJ Styles and, um, Randy Orton come face-to-face backstage. It looks like they'll be on a collision course ...towards a match at WrestleMania... ...and I'm in full favor of that... ...I think the match and feud could be great... ...so yeah overall a great addition to SmackDown... ...Matt Hardy being back... ...Kevin Owens being brought back... Alistair Black and Ricochet being showcased... ...a rare US Championship match on SmackDown... ...I thought this whole show was great... ...so definitely go out of your way to check it out... ...on the road to WrestleMania... ...so speaking of the road to WrestleMania... ...things are certainly starting to heat up... um, ...as WrestleMania is now about five weeks away... Uh, ...we have a number of matches now confirmed... For Fastlane, which is great, Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, The Usos versus um, The Miz and Shane for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. That match was not promoted on last night's SmackDown. I think it got bumped for time constraints, but oh well. Uh, Mandy Rose and Asuka is also now official for the pay-per-view as well, so it's it's shaping up to be a pretty good show. I'm looking forward to Fastlane and then later WrestleMania. Uh, The road to WrestleMania has been pretty tame so far, but coming off this past week... I am infinitely more excited for Fastlane and also WrestleMania than I was before. And that's not just because I'll be there in attendance. It's because with Owens being back, Matt Hardy being back, things are starting to get really interesting on both brands. So stay tuned for more developments on both shows as the road to WrestleMania rolls on right here on WrestleRant Radio. New episodes Every single Thursday, not only on Next Day Wrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You'll not only get every new episode on Thursdays, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. So again, simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. And also be sure to check me out on the socials, guys, on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So with all that being said guys, we'll be back right here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday previewing the upcoming Fastlane pay-per-view for that Sunday. I'm Graham GSM Matthews and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs> Do